of our hands this morning. Father, we thank you that we can build our lives upon you. God, and we do not have to be shaken because you are not shaken. God, what other rock is there? What other rock is there? There is no other rock. There is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Father, we thank you that you are our firm foundation so that when the storms of this life come, they can blow, they can howl, the waves can come crashing in. We have confidence in our rock. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Come on, church, one more time. Lift up a shout of praise to Jesus this morning. We bless you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Let's thank our worship team this morning for leading us into God's presence. So thankful for all of our team. If you would go ahead and stand with me, open up your Bible to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. While you're doing that, I'm going to give you a quick update um, as far as Ukraine and some of the things that are going on there. On Friday, I was on a phone call with about 90 leaders from um, our, our missions team to our executive team leadership within the Assemblies of God. And um, just listening to them, their heart, um, how to respond to everything that is going on um, in our world right now. One of the um, families that was on the call is currently still in the capital of Ukraine. As we're on the call, they're having to go to a um, safe room within their, their home because they live close to airports and missiles were coming in at the time. And so it's a very real thing from that. Um, if I can boil it all down into a nutshell, um, the biggest request is that the church would fast and pray. It's the biggest request. They said, if they will fast and they will pray. There's some things that only come forth by fasting and prayer. And they said the largest militaries of this world will not be able to resolve this. We need divine intervention. And so I want us to do that right now. I want us to call upon our God. Father, we come before you and we ask for just divine intervention. Father, we know that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and you turn it whichsoever way that you will. And so Father, we just ask that you would move Move upon the hearts of the kings, God. You moved upon Pharaoh. You would move upon David. You would move upon Solomon. You moved upon Cyrus. You moved upon pagan and righteous kings. And Father, you are no respecter of persons. And we ask that you would move upon the leaders that are all involved in this situation. And you would bring peace and you would bring resolve. Resolve that can only come from you. We thank you for it, Father. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And on Tuesday, I want to implore you, church, to join with us in fasting and prayer. Um, one of the things that you can do to follow really good updates is go and follow. It's called the Assemblies of God World Missions. We're a church of, uh, that's part of the Assemblies of God movement. Go follow their page on Instagram or Facebook, and you'll get a lot of great updates that are good updates, even from a spiritual perspective on what is going on um, in, uh, in Ukraine. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, we're diving in right now. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet 
and listen to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all by myself? When our kids do something all by themselves, it's like, it's like great. But when you're in like your 40s or 50s and you're singing Celine Dion all by myself, that's not a good song to sing, right? You want company. And here Martha is serving all by herself. She says, Jesus, tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Everybody say one thing. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Father, we thank you for your word. God, may your word bring transformation to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, servanthood. This week, the antithesis of servanthood, right? Mary and Martha. Um, today we talked through number two of kingdom, week number two of kingdom culture. This past week, we looked at how we are to disconnect from the system of the world and we must subscribe to the culture of the kingdom of heaven, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it doesn't take place easily, right? Establishing God's culture on this earth is not an easy thing, it's not a cakewalk thing, it's a difficult thing that often takes a lot of resolve, it takes a lot of resiliency, a lot of fortitude to be a culture warrior. And the first area that we looked at was servanthood. If serving, I said, is the identity of the Savior, then it must, not it should be, not it could potentially be or partially be, but it must be the identity of the believer. Serving is not about position, it's about posture, right? I said that we need to find our cone and to stay on our cone until the Lord, he takes us home. We've gotta find that place of servanthood. And how many of y'all have found your place? How many of y'all have found your place of servanthood, right? If you haven't, today we have heart class. And I wanna implore you and push you and encourage you to go to heart class and let us help you find that place, find that station in your life to serve and to be about. But this week, we're diving into another component of kingdom culture. Pillar number one at Evangel is we exist to help people encounter Jesus. We believe, and not just believe, but we know that an encounter with Jesus, it changes everything, amen? That when a person has an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, life cannot remain the same. If life remains the same, I question if you really had an encounter with Jesus. Something has to shift and change drastically. And as a church, we must both prioritize and practice His presence. We must both prioritize it, and then we must practice being in the presence of Jesus. God's desire is to have a relationship with his children. Not just just be another event 
on a weekly or bi-weekly calendar at 1045 on Sunday morning, right? But his desire is a day in and day out. Just a, I love the old song that says, just a closer walk with thee. He desires that closeness, that proximity that we are in his presence because he, he is after our heart. Which is why God told Israel and Ezekiel that I will give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit and I will remove out of you the heart of stone. And I will place within you a heart of flesh. He's after our heart. And kingdom culture teaches us that we were designed. We were made. We were formed. We were fashioned for a close relationship with the king of kings. And Mary and Martha illustrate this so well. See, Martha, she's given a bad rap so many times. But she made space for Jesus. Jesus enters into the town called Bethany. Bethany was a small community on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And Jesus enters into this small little town. Aren't you thankful? that he still meets people in small and obscure places. That he just doesn't go to the Times Square parts of life, but he's willing to go to the highways, the byways, the small villages, the small places, and have an encounter with people. Aren't you thankful that on a Sunday morning, he's willing to stop by Evangel Temple, Assembly of God, and to come meet with the people who are trusting and suspecting and expecting for him to move amongst their midst. I'm thankful that he will come to the west side of Jackson that he will go to the north side, he'll go to the south side, he'll go to Middleburg, he'll go and he'll have an encounter with people. And he doesn't just come in here, but he comes with a mission to seek, to save, to change, to transform every person that comes. So as Jesus enters Bethany, scripture says that Martha welcomes Jesus into her home. Aren't you thankful that Jesus just doesn't go to the holy places, but he's willing to go into people's home, right? He's willing to get right up in the mess of people's lives. Like he, he, he comes into our homes where there's brokenness and there's chaos and there's mess. And I'm thankful that I serve a savior that's not put off by mess, but he's willing to step in and through the threshold to enter into my mess so that my life may be changed and be transformed. I'm thankful that he comes in. He says that he stands at the door and knocks, and if we will just open it, he will come in, and he will sit with us. He will dine with us. But church, when we welcome Jesus into our home, when we open up that door, we better be ready. Because he don't leave things the way he finds them. Right? He has a tendency to walk in and to start rearranging things. He comes in and he starts to work. He starts bringing order to the chaos. So Martha welcomes Jesus into her home. And when she does, it actually opposes some risk to Martha. Because at this point, the religious, they don't like Jesus that much. They're already growing jealous of Jesus and the fame and the gatherings that he is having. And so with Martha opening up her home to Jesus... 
This could easily mean Martha being banned from the religious gatherings, the communal gatherings in Bethany. Fear of being banned from those gatherings was a big thing. It's you being cut off from your culture. It's you being cut off from your community. It's being you, you being cut off from your people. And so this is a real fear, but Martha knew that acceptance into Jesus' community was infinitely more valuable and more important than entrance into mankind's institutions. Martha had a keen awareness. She knew that, hey, if I can gain access to the King of Kings, I'm eternally accepted. I'm not just temporally accepted into my culture, into my people. So Martha was willing to take that risk to have Jesus come in. But not only was she willing to take that risk, Martha, watch this, Martha was willing to bankroll that risk, right? She was ready to be the finance person that bankrolled that risk to welcome Jesus into her house. Martha was a generous person. Martha was a very generous person. This is often overlooked because Martha wasn't this busy for just one person, right? There was more than just Jesus. The scripture says, and as they entered into Bethany, Martha welcomed Jesus. So there's a they in this scripture, meaning Jesus is rolling at least 12 deep with his disciples, right? Jesus comes up and Martha welcomes him in and provides for the crowd that is coming with Jesus. And if you're married, one hungry man is enough to take care of. But you got at least 12 hungry men there. There's a lot to be done. And if you rewind just a few verses behind this in Scripture, you see that Jesus just earlier in chapter 10 had sent out the 72. So he's at least got 72 followers, and probably some of them have come along for the journey, right? So we're not talking about just a small meal for a Tuesday night e-group gathering. We're talking about probably a banquet for 50, 60, 70 people that are coming over to Mary's house with Jesus' entourage. Not counting some of the people that they're not even invited, they just show up, right? Anybody, y'all got any of those in your life? <laughs> they're not invited, they just, they just show up. <laughs> Bless the Lord, oh my soul. <laughs> so Martha, Martha has some pressure honor. And to be honest, if Jesus came to my house, I'd probably be Martha. I think probably more than me in this room, I won't judge for you, but probably more than just me in this room would be Martha. When I was in college, we got a call one evening, and my mom happened to be out of town, um, but we got a call 7.30, 8 o'clock that evening that the governor was wanting to come to our house the next morning. And when mom's out of town, things aren't kept nice and tidy, right? <laughs> because mom's out of town. And so within a matter of hours, she said, no, absolutely not. But hey, when mom was away, right? <laughs> and so the governor shows up at our house the next morning. And we were very much Martha all that evening and that night, getting the house flipped and ready for the governor to come to the house. But that's the governor, like, but Jesus come to our house? There's a different level when we get the message that Jesus is wanting to come inside of our house. So Martha, she's got a crowd. Martha's got a crowd and she wants this to be the perfect evening. 
right? She wants it to be the perfect gathering where everybody is fed, everybody is taken care of, every detail is covered. Put yourselves in Martha's shoes. It's easy to shoot shots when we haven't been in their shoes. Martha's got a crowd, and so she's making sure she's got plenty of bread and water for everyone there, but she just forgot she's got the bread of life and the living water sitting in her home. How often, church, do we take care of the needs of others while neglecting our own? If you've ever flown on an airplane, you'll hear the safety instructions from the flight attendant located in the seat pocket back in front of you, right? And, and the unlikely event of an emergency, an oxygen mask will drop from the ceiling. Prior to helping anybody else besides you, make sure you securely fasten your mask on before helping others. Martha was running around without fastening her own mask on and was running out of oxygen, running on empty. But in spite of Martha's mess, Jesus, Jesus still loved being at Martha's home. Probably because it wasn't messy, right? She's Martha. She took care of everything, right? So Jesus, Jesus comes to Martha's home and he came to Martha's home more than once. Scripture records that they had a good relationship and he lodged in Bethany frequently. And so Martha and Jesus had a great relationship and Jesus loved this family. Scripture re doesn't record that he went to everybody's home, but it does record that he went to this home on more than one occasion. And Martha, verse 39, has a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Don't you love how Luke sets the tone with Martha and Mary? Martha has a home and Jesus comes into her home. But then you have Mary sitting at the feet of the Lord, hanging on her every, hanging on his every word. The contrast between these two sisters is so real. And if we're honest, this sibling Mary bothers us. If we're honest with ourselves, I asked grandma right before I preached this in this service, I asked her, I said, are you a Martha or are you a Mary? She said, I'm a Martha. And I resent Mary. <laughs> I said, Grandma. She said, I had a sister like Mary that would just sit there all the while I would be in the kitchen working with mother. And she would just be sitting there and not talking to Jesus. Telling on you, Grandma. <laughs> but if we're honest, guess what? I sit right there beside Grandma and I'm the exact same way because this sister, Mary, bothers us. How can she Sit there while there's so much to do for multiple reasons, whether it's jealousy that she's sitting there or despised laziness or that she's ignorant and completely unaware of all the tasks and all the obligations that are surrounding her. This sister bothers us. Or maybe it's just me, right, that she bothers. Martha's hands are so full Yet her heart is so empty. Her hands full tasks, obligations. She's got a house, probably some wealth from this culture. Her hands are so full, but her heart is empty. With Mary's hands, they're empty. She sits at the feet of Jesus and her heart is overflowing. Church, just because we got full hands, full pockets, 
doesn't mean we got fool hearts. Now, just because we got a lot of good things to do, just because we got a big 401k, just because we got a fat wallet or a fat savings account, does not mean our hearts are overflowing with joy like Mary's was. I've been in a lot of impoverished countries around our world, even communist countries, where they have nothing. Yet on a Tuesday morning, you'll see them before an altar in a sanctuary with puddles of tears below them as they sit at the feet of Jesus with hands that are empty, yet hearts that are overflowing with joy. We can be so full of the world's possessions, yet empty of a relationship and a walk with our Savior. Martha, Martha had paid the bill, welcomed Jesus in, but Mary was the benefactor. Church, we have to be careful of the posture of our heart, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And I'll include myself in this, that we can grumble about family. We can grumble about business. We can grumble about ministry that we have worked so hard for or finance when we see the inactivity of those who are around us, right? To become snarky when others don't carry their share of weight. We can see souls being reached people sitting at his feet, but we can be quick to complain about inactivity. We can prepare a table before them, pull out a chair, but when a mess is made, we can get upset because of inactivity of people sitting at the feet of Jesus. See, Martha had made space for Jesus to come into her house. Both Mary and Martha had equal access to Jesus. Both Mary and Martha were presented with a choice. And Martha welcomed Jesus into her house, but Mary welcomed Jesus into her life. And there's a big, big difference, right? We can have 10 commandments posted on the walls. We can have the picture of Jesus. We can have the Bible by the nightstand. We can have the prayer garden. We can have the coffee mug, everything set up. But we can neglect all of the areas that are prepared for Jesus in our home without ever welcoming him into our lives. Mary sat at the Lord's feet. She was all in on kingdom culture. She was fully engaged. Mary her sitting at his feet, our sitting at his feet represents our willingness to both receive from Jesus, but then to submit to Jesus. To sit at one's feet was to submit to their authority. To sit at one's feet was to submit to their authority. And when Mary submitted to Jesus' authority in return, she received Jesus' covering. Church, I said that when Mary sat at Jesus' feet and submitted to his authority, in return, she received his covering over her life. And church, we need his covering over our lives. And there's only one way to get his covering. 
by sitting at his feet, by kingdom culture, of building our walk in relationship with him, of embracing his presence. We might not think we need his covering right now, but I can promise you there will come a day when it will rain and we will want that umbrella handy, right? There will be a day when someone will throw some stones our way and we will want his covering. There will be a day when there are some unfounded accusations launched at us and we will want his covering, just like Martha did to Mary, just like Martha did to Mary. Church, we can choose to sit at Jesus' feet or eventually we can choose to be made his footstool. Mary chose spiritual proximity over earthly responsibility. But Martha, Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha, she chose serving. She just had so many other urgent things to do. Urgent people can be tyrannical people. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? The tyranny of urgency. I just gotta get this done. It can't wait. It has to happen right now. There's not enough time in the day for all of these things that need to be done and we forsake, we slowly forsake what is most important. See, the tyranny of the urgent, so often we allow the urgency to suffocate our walk with Jesus. And in the parable of the sower, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus talks about the farmer scattering the seed. And I can't go into it in depth, but when he scatters the seed among the thorns, the thorns, they grow up and they choke out the seed by the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of this life. It's crazy how the cares of this world can cause spiritual asphyxiation. It can cause us to choke to death all of the cares of this world. See, Satan, he doesn't have to get people into great sin. He can just slowly suffocate them with the cares of this world, with the tyranny of the urgency. It doesn't have to be great sin. It doesn't have to be big problems. It's just slow asphyxiation, slow choking them out till their spiritual walk is gone. This should cause us to sober up so quick because in kingdom culture, it teaches us to prioritize his presence, that an encounter with him is what is necessary. We make time for so many things that we deem important. And God knows this. God knows this. FOMO is a real thing, right? Fear of missing out. And we will make time if something that seems fun or seems intriguing, we will make time apart from our busy schedules to make sure we're in that thing so we don't miss out on it. But so many times we have so much more FOMO for the things of the world than we ever do for the kingdom of heaven. We have so much more fear on missing out worldly pleasures than we do fear on missing out within the kingdom of God. We have to recognize and stop giving heed to the cares of this world. Martha, Martha was serving that was her reason. But if we're honest, serving's not the reason for everybody. In fact, it's probably not the case for most. This passage isn't even necessarily about serving. It's about distraction from the good portion. It's about being distracted 
from what really matters. And there's a lot of things that can distract you while driving, right? Makeup can distract you. I rode with my sister to school like twice, and then my parents said, we're going to drive you to school every day. <laughs> Distracted driving, right? I ain't going to talk about what mom did. No. Eating Chick-fil-A in rush hour can distract you and kill you. Your cell phone can distract you and kill you. You fill in the blank. Whatever the distraction is, it can kill you. Whatever the reason is, they're all deadly. But Martha was distracted with much serving. If you pull verse 40 up, take out Martha's name, take out serving. What's in your blank? What's in your blank? But Michael, he was distracted with much success. Tammy, Tammy, she was distracted with much bitterness and unforgiveness. And she said to Jesus, do you even care? Riley, she was distracted with TikTok. She was distracted with TikTok. Jacob was distracted with fear and was obsessed with it. Richard, he had Fox News, CNN, the Twitter news feed, everything else going on and was distracted but never had time, never had time to sit at Jesus' feet. Church, we all have a blank. We all have a blank. What's in your blank? Is it sports? Is it children? Is it even the blessings of God? Is it even the blessings that he has given us and placed within our lives? We cannot live encumbered by the blessings that God places within us. See, kingdom culture teaches us to steward the blessings, not be encumbered by the blessings. Martha said, Lord, if the worship team, you come. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha, she's shameless. She's audacious. And what does she do? As I said last week, she starts prescribing to Jesus, not subscribing. Lord, do you care? Jesus, do you see what's going on? Tell her to do something. God, you been aware? Do you see everything that I've got going on in this life? How can this happen? I think we've all been Martha in a moment like this where our conversation with God gets clouded by our present circumstances, our judgment. It gets hazy. And so what do we start doing? Like Martha, we start prescribing and not subscribing. Right? The kingdom of heaven is best lived out when we've got a subscription to the kingdom, not a prescription for the kingdom. Kingdom culture teaches us to ask, Jesus, what do you want of me in this moment? Jesus, what do you desire of my life in this moment? Subscription asks of God what he desires of us, whereas prescription tells God what we desire of him. Are we subscribing or are we prescribing? Martha says, Lord, do you not care that she has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But then Jesus establishes kingdom culture. He says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious, troubled about many things. Mary, she's chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus, he deconstructs the culture of the world. He disconnects Martha 
from worldly mentality. He demolishes the thoughts of preoccupation. Martha, you're anxious and doing so many things, but Mary, she has chosen the good portion and it will not, not just I cannot, but it will not be taken from her. Worldly cares bring worldly problem, but kingdom culture brings kingdom blessings in Jesus. Jesus in this moment, he establishes kingdom culture. And he says, Martha, there is a need to focus on what is most important. And although serving is good, although serving is good, sitting at Jesus' feet is best. He says, what feeds the soul is infinitely more important than what feeds the body. What feeds our soul, our soul nutrition, the diet of our soul is so much important than what is feeding the cares of this world. Mary chose the good portion, if you would stand with me. When she did, she did. She chose Jesus' covering. Because when Martha fired shots, Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh taken it from her. He protected her. He covered her from those unjust accusations. But then also, she got a promise. Mary chose the good portion. And I will not take it from her. There are certain things in the kingdom that Jesus isn't going to take away from us very thing the very thing that mankind was created for communion communion with God communion with the Almighty is the very thing he says I will not take from her He might take other things, but communion with himself, he's not taken. He allowed Job's blessing to be taken, but communion was never removed. Communion with God was not on the negotiating table. Jesus said, she's chosen the good portion. It will not be taken from her. The only person that takes communion off the table is ourselves. We're the only ones. We're the only ones that remove it out of the situation, the cares, the occupation, the blame. It's in your blame. Everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. Confident, most everyone here welcomes him into your home. Do you welcome him into your life? So say, sit at the table with Jesus. Sup, dine, have your way, have your will. If you're here this morning, I want to open these altars up. And you need to come sit at his feet. Soak in his presence. Get rid of the stuff that's in the blank and fill it up 
with Jesus. I want you to get out of your seat from wherever you are right now. And I want you to come to the altar. I want all of our altar team, if you will, come down. And I want us to begin to uh, agree in prayer. There's some things that are in this blank in life that are occupying us, that are filling us, that are going to make us run dry. And if you need to get out of your seat this morning, come and sit at His feet. These altars are open. We want to see God bring change, bring transformation, bring the fulfillment that He alone is able. Prayer team, come on down to the front. Prayer. Uh, and all of our pastors and deacons, if you would, get out. And I want us to begin to agree in prayer. That we would agree in prayer that God will fill us with His presence. He'll fill us with His presence.